Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Guess what? I was up late last night and I had a late night snack of some cereal. And guess what? Is different than normal. I don't feel like crap this morning because, look, cereal is one of my favorite little treats, whether it was for breakfast or for fourth meal or dessert. It's a simple, quick, but I can't have that sugar and junk anymore. It rocks my body, and I've been trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, processed stuff. So luckily, we got Magic Spoon, zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories a serving, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb, and you can build your own box. We've got available flavors to create your very own custom bundle, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies, cream, and maple waffle. I ate a huge bowl of maple waffle last night. Uh, Cookies and cream and maple waffle are two super popular flavors that are brought back permanently. So there used to be a limited time, but now they're here. Highly recommend getting down on some Magic Spoon. So go to magicspoon.com slash ham to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code ham at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with 100% guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash ham and use the code ham to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Yay, Magic Spoon! Yay! What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, standing six foot two. 286 pounds from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island. It's Johnny G. The number one fuckboy. Joining me as always in the High Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gamers. Arthur, give him a shout out. Okay, he's not here because mom works from home, so he hangs out with her now. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, been a fan of his for a while. Finally got him on the High and Mighty, but it's Steve Bigger Hernandez. 
Great to be here, Johnny. That intro is even worse than I remember it going to be in. Uh, <laughs> uh, my head hurts and I'm sweating. So uh, six here we two, go. 285. Uh, man, that would be like my dream. If I was 6'2", 285, I would not, I would not be in comedy. Uh, I would be doing something else. <laughs> As someone who was 6'2", 325 up until yeah. about a year ago, I feel like a fucking Adonis at 285. And I, you, you know, and, and I'm still, you know, losing my Apple remote somewhere in my fucking FUPA. <laughs> like once, once a week I stand up and the Apple remote falls out of like underneath my gut or something. <laughs> I got as big as 305 in the quarantine. That's the biggest I've ever been. I'm only 5'9". Um, but we're both beautiful men, so if you don't know what I look like, don't feel bad for me, okay? Yeah, do I'm, not feel bad for Steve. <laughs> <laughs> or me, honestly. We're two yeah, yeah, Gabe is beautiful, too, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that, I got, that's how I, I, I met... I met your uh, now wife first doing what's your sign. And then when I met you through her on social media, I was like me and this guy, it's crazy. We're not friends. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I got as big as three Oh five. Um, and then I'm down to two seventy five now. And honestly, it was only because I needed to fit into my work shirt again. Um, <laughs> that, that's like a real thing. I remember Biden saying in March, like we're going to get everyone vaccinated. And I was like, there's no way my shirt fits so tight at 295. And I was like, I can't fit into my bartending shirt unless I lose weight. So got on the Weight Watchers app. I still kind of use it, but I'm very I mean, I'm cheating all the time and stuff. And then I'm just working out. We do Griffith Park like three times a week. And I, I bought a bunch of weights for my house, which I've never been that into weightlifting. But the past few months, I just lift weights and do uh, kettlebells at the house and I love it. I'm having a great time. So I, I feel like I'm plateauing. This might be the best. I fantasize about 250. What extreme, what, what a huge number do you fantasize about? Is, is it something like 250? It's exactly, as a matter of fact, about a month ago, I was like, a couple months ago, I was like, I want to be 250 by my 40th birthday, which is at the end of January. It ain't yeah. happening. But, but I, f I fantasize about 250. It's so funny because- 6'2", 250 sounds like a linebacker, so it feels oh. like so real. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look great now, but that's what I'm saying is, you know, 35 pounds out. I mean, where where would you lose it? Just your stomach, right? Yeah, it's like all my gut, really. And yeah. there's not- and So- I feel like 265 is a more reasonable, like, kind. 275 is where I sat for a really long time and felt good about myself. Yeah. And then, like, stopped weighing myself and went, you know, just depressed spiral to 325. And, like, it took my wife being like, I kept saying I was 275. And she was like, well, you haven't, like, weighed yourself in, like, a year, <laughs> right? And I was like, yeah. And she goes... And I think you put on weight. I'm like, okay, let me get on the scale. And it said 326. And I was like, wow, shit needs to happen ASAP, dude. Uh, Dan St. Germain, the comedian, I quote him all the time on this. He said, you don't see a lot of 300-pound 50-year-olds. And it yeah. just fucking <laughs> shattered me where I was like, touche. Better, better get down to 250 ASAP. <laughs> I, had a, I had a girlfriend like that. I remember I used to always tell people I had a six-inch penis. Uh, and then when I was around 25, my girlfriend at the time said, I don't think it's six inches. And uh, we measured it. <laughs> Your boy's coming at five, coming in at five and a half strong, folks. <laughs> well, let's just say me and Big Hearn have even more in common than I originally. <laughs> I, I, know, I do. I know. I said if I was your height, but for sure, I'm not kidding. And I've tweeted this: is if I had 
one inch, one more inch on my penis would not be in comedy, would be doing something else completely different with my life. Oh. But here we are, just a couple of five and a halfers. Five and a halfers, though, let me tell you something. They're helping you move. They're good guys. They're they calling eat you. Pussy. To- yeah. yeah, they eat pussy. <laughs> they're going to your dad's funeral. They're doing it all, baby. We're, we're, we're there. And it's and it's mostly fine, okay? <laughs> it works enough. Yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm defending a hypothetical argument yeah. here. <laughs> hey, no, it's fine. Hey, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> well, I like, uh, you know, my, my uh, wife always says, you know, I, I like, you know, it's 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 like uh, what does she say? It's I uh, it you know I don't even have the the word for it anymore. And my sister too, you know, God bless her, Drea. I love her to death, but she's always said you don't want too big, you know, you don't want too big. You want a nice, manageable, manageable. That's what they say, manageable <laughs> size. You know, this is an yeah. everyday penis kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it is that when you hear like you're like you hear your partner say to you or your girlfriend say to you. Uh, no, I actually don't like really big people. You're like, oh, thank you. That doesn't sound true, but I appreciate you saying that for now. Now, let me tell you something, Gabers. I am a queer man, so I I, ha- I do suck dick. I have been fucked with dick. And uh, oh, nice. And uh, there are like these like beautiful magic dicks too, where you'll hear girls say it like online or something like that. But where you're like. All right, I have guys that have been kind of jerks. Like they don't, they don't text back when you know when you want your booty call or something. But then when they do, it's like whatever you're doing, you're like, all right, I got to get that thing in my mouth one more time. <laughs> uh, you have them saved in your phone as glorious cock. It's like, oh, yeah, finally. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a long time though. I haven't really, I haven't had sex with guys since I got sober a few years ago. So. Am I am I really queer? Who knows? I don't know. That's something I think about all the time. <laughs> that's really that's a really interesting uh like uh coincidence or a lineup there, you know? That Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I it's it's very hard uh to be sober and to have sex with somebody new I've found. There has to be a lot of chemistry. You have to like generally like them really. And um because of I just don't have time to do that. And everyone also falls in love with my wife. So despite the fact that I alone am polyamorous, everyone falls in love with my wife and then wants <laughs> nothing to do with me. The only I, city. That's why amazing I say, woman, I, amazing yeah, woman, amazing, beautiful, funny, perfect. We get it. You know, we get it, folks. But you're not betraying her by fucking the big man. OK, have I'm here sex too, with baby. The big, yeah. Have sex with the big man. It's fine. Uh, talking to a, I have a few friends who are sober single dudes and yeah. I hear a lot about how hard that is because there's the vibe of like, well, if we are going to hook up, I don't want you to drink too much because I don't want the, you know, like the energy of like, are we going to both be sober the first time we fuck? Are you going to be a little drunk? And, and I also hear that a lot of, uh, anecdotally, uh, some women are uncomfortable sitting across from us or some dates are like, oh, I don't know what to do when my date is sober. Have you like, have you found uh, that Imagine being sitting across from a sober, poly, married, fat Mexican guy. <laughs> Nobody's doing it, Gabrus. I'm it's currently doing it. I'm currently doing it. <laughs> no, but not on a date or anything No, no, like no. I, I do. I am grateful to my gay men fr- fans and stuff like that. They hit me up. They're down to fuck. They're down to suck all the time. Because they're that, they're, you know, guys are just that big of a bastards where you're not even thinking about my wife. And I respect that because they help me to feel sexy. Um, uh, I could say, uh, I know I'm always being accused of stolen by valor, but uh, my according to my DM message requests, I too have uh, quite a little bit of a fandom and dudes are, <laughs> do, uh, what is the expression? Dudes rock. They are. <laughs> have you been like, accused of queer baiting? 
Uh, no, not not negatively, not negatively. Okay, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. do, I do get, a, I do get accused of bear bait. But I think it's all cheeky. I think, it, yeah, because yeah, again, yeah. dudes, they don't fucking. They're just like, I, I want to eat your ass. I want to suck your dick. Are you gay? Uh, it sucks that you have a wife. Just like uh, uh, constantly, I'm like, I fuck men are so we're so gross, and I love it. <laughs> now you do you feel like do you feel sexy in your own skin? Yeah, I Good. do. Uh, but I think. I, it's a headspace thing too, and I, f- I find like right now I'm in I'm in and out of it. You know what I mean? Where I'm like sometimes I'm feeling good about myself, but it's not even about looks or like oh I haven't exercised in five. Days. Just a vibe will shift in my brain, and like obviously brain chemistry and fucking life and anxiety and stuff. And then I'll start to feel like oh I'm gross, I'm gross. But every like I get back into it, and I I feel so good as myself. You know what I mean? Like more more now than ever before. And I'm in like I used to be in. It's good physical shape. I used to be like an athlete and it's like now I feel better than I ever felt before. Yeah. And I think it's really it it only gets, you know, I think when you look at men, uh, they typically you're just going to get more powerful. I think they say till like 50. So 45, 50, you're going to be in that sweet range where you're making great money. You're feeling the best about yourself. You know who you are. You know who your demographic is. It's only going to get better. Uh, not for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) what about, what about you? You've uh, like, based on your, you know, social, I know that's not necessarily true, our true representation of ourselves, but based on your social media represent, uh, seems like you, you fucking feel sexy in your own skin too. Well, I feel great right now. You know, I told you, uh, I told you off air that I'm making like more, I, I'm going to just say the number because it's hysterical. It's a very but, funny uh, number to be excited about. It's okay. like it's like the perfect number to be excited about. <laughs> to, your, to your audience, uh, I'm a 43-year-old fat Mexican guy. Went to two years Wait of community minute. college. I assumed you were younger than me, dude. You're fucking, no, no. you're I'm glowing. Beautiful. Yeah, you're, I know. you're magnificent. <laughs> I'm a 43-year-old fat Mexican guy. I've been bartending in Covina, California, a suburb of LA, uh, 25 miles outside of LA proper. Uh, <laughs> uh, for 13 or 14 years. Yesterday, I served a drunk kid who's 28 years old. I'll tell you how I knew that. As he said, you've been here for a while, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, how long? I said, 14 years. He's like, oh, you've been here half my life. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, cut this guy off. Get him out of here. You're like, bro, uh, I've been here a third of mine. Yeah. So I, I know what you're saying. I know. I've, I've never even thought about that game. Uh, but uh, yeah, so all that to say is I've worked previously. I worked Thursdays and Friday nights at the Chatterbox, and I've made $32,000 a year for the past 13 years, which is nothing, really, but I've been fine. I have my nice little amount of credit card debt. I buy what I want. I buy my Nike stuff. We go out to eat when we want. It's fine. Post-pandemic, this the Chatterbox is one of those bars that nobody leaves. Everybody stays there for but the guy, this guy left, and so I got Sunday nights, so now I've increased my money by 50. So you're, you're talking to a guy who's making 50 grand a year who is fucking straight balling, uh, doing whatever I want? We went. We go. I've gone to like ten Dodger games in the yes. past six weeks. Yeah, you have. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm bu- I, Bro, I went it's to a fifty percent th- raise. It's a fifty percent raise you got. That's an insane jump up, man. Yeah, That's yeah, fifty awesome. percent raise we got. Julia's got a great job right now. We just don't. We were even at the Dodger game. We went to that Dodger game when they scored four four home runs the other night. It was amazing. Oh, like at the end of the game, they scored. Yeah, in the eighth inning. Uh, But we were there, and she's like, I think the nice thing about having money, and she's like, 
we could just get whatever we want at the concession stand about Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. And I was like, Julia, this is the saddest thing you've ever said to me right now. We have been shooting. We've been keeping our expectations so incredibly low that when we can get chili cheese nachos and not even think about it, it's like, <laughs> yes, there's nothing better than this. Hell but, yeah. Hell yeah. But it's we're happy, too. That's the balance. I don't know. For you, how do you find that? Isn't that always the balance is like, I want a happy life, but I am ambitious and I want to be successful as well. But the lower I keep my expectations, the happier I am. But is that keeping me from being more successful in Hollywood? You have to think about that stuff all the time, right? It's on my mind. And honestly, it's funny you say that because in like the in the pandemic, I like unpacked a portion of my personality that is like pertains to that, that the like disappointment I was feeling in my own career was based on what I thought was a successful career. And then it's like, it took therapy, my wife, friends being like, bro, if you get paid to talk about movies with your friends, like what, what more do you want? So the, the exact line someone said was like, Oh, would you only be happy with eight seasons of superstore? No, by season five, you'd be like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, and I'm like, Oh my God, it's just money. And I, then I was like, well, what do I need so much money for? Oh, I grew up poor. I'm afraid to never have it again. It's like, well, if I don't own a home, I don't have any kids. Like, what the fuck do I have overhead for? And it's like, oh, shit. I'm just like, the idea now is like, I'm just chasing experiences and I don't need that much more. And and the pressure relief I've felt of like any Hollywood adjacent comedy work is just gravy. And the rest is like, I'm a pot. Like, I don't know why I had such a negative view of podcasting in my head. And it's maybe because the idols of comedy that I grew up with were not podcasters. But even my therapist said to me, he was like, didn't you say you loved Howard Stern and yeah. Opie and Anthony growing up? And I'm like, oh yeah, those are like two of my fans. He's like, and now you do ostensibly something similar and make a living. And I'm like, oh my God. And then also you talk to some, you talk to anyone in comedy and someone who's more successful than you bitching about stuff that you would kill for. And then you find yourself doing that to other people. You're like, uh, yeah, I didn't get this fucking. And they're like, oh, I would kill to have the opportunity. And you're, you take that, that helps you get placed in yourself a little bit. And then it was just like talking to more and more people. And I was eventually like, well, fuck, I think I'm technically successful. Like if I like, I get to go to the beach on a Monday and also, you know, like I don't have to get drug tested. I don't have to commute frequently it's like all of a sudden i'm like what well, what am i what do i want in life I, I just stacking checks like that doesn't help help me in like the long run that doesn't help me happiness wise so i have enough money to like eat at restaurants once a week and fucking go on a few vacations with the wife like i don't know what else i need like yeah yeah all you have to do now is be happy especially if you've made those decisions about buying a home and about kids these are just saying you're basically just saying no to the American dream. Uh, yeah, and that's, so, Steve, it's crazy because I, we did a lot of IVF stuff and like, you know, that fucking roller coaster and like, we still have a zygote on ice that we're paying pretty solid rent on each month. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's like I, having a real kid's got to be expensive if a fucking zygote is $60 a month. Uh, <laughs> it's just in a fridge somewhere. Uh, but we went through all, and then eventually we had like a conversation was like, wait, like we were just like caught up in the track that you believe like, oh my God, we're 37. We don't have kids yet. Fuck. We got to do blah, blah. Oh, we don't even have a house. Oh, we need a house. We need to have kids. Fuck. And it was like, wait, why do you like, we talked about it more and more. It's like every time I picture our future, I picture us like 
in a hut over the ocean in Bora Bora. And it's never like with a child. Everything I picture is like, we lived in Amsterdam for a month. Like all these like, and then my wife Tiff came back and was saying the same shit to me. And we were like, and now we've, you know, shattered our parents' hearts, our traditional uh, Italian and Portuguese (laughs) parents. We've shattered them. But at the same time, the freedom we feel like when she got laid off from her job and got to launch her artistic career. Like I did this at 20 something. I was a PA and a comic. My wife's now 39 and left uh, the uh, TV executive world and is just making flowers. And we, neither of us have been happier. We're both like 17 again. And it's fucking like, I was like, Oh, and now if I could, if I moved out of LA and got like a mortgage for like $2,500 a month somewhere I'd be, I could be, have a house in a yard. And that that's like the only thing I'm missing is like, I'm 40 and I live in an apartment. But once you like lift that off of like, there's nothing shameful about that. I'll fucking pay. I'll pay quarters to do my laundry. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I'll, all I'll of- hand wash dishes for my, I did it 17 years so far. I'm not going to get a dishwasher anytime soon. <laughs> I've, I've always thought dishwashers are for ham and eggers anyways. They don't get the dishes really clean. I'm sorry. Just like my dad taught me, I'm washing that thing. Everything for, for the people that I love. I'm getting in the forks. I'm scrubbing. I'm getting on my hands and knees on when I'm mopping a floor too. I don't like a mop. I don't like a swisher. That's what I'm doing if I'm going to do a thing. Fuck but, yeah. uh, yeah, we're on the Julie and I are trying to figure out about kids too. We were both, I don't know. She's tipped that for sure. And I want to make her happy. And I'd love to do it. It'd be fantastic. But the world's ending soon. And uh, I'm not like. Yeah, there under- is that. There is that unfortunate layer to like, I can't. Uh, 20 years from now, I'm 60. My kid's 20. And like, what? what's the world? What is the world like in 2041? Like, did my kid die in the first water war? You know, like, who knows? Yeah, it, it's and it's like I could stick my head in the ground or whatever, but I don't like to live my life that way. I like to be in reality and understand what my current situation is and, and take joy in those things. And yeah, the fact of the matter is, is it's just going to keep getting hotter. Um, the rich people are going to keep getting richer. We're going to start having brownouts where there's not air conditioning. It's going to get gross. It's going to get bad. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we just, the, the world doesn't need any more kids. If you've gone to Target, especially in West Covina, these Mexican uh, w- young women have us covered. Okay, folks. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mexican. I could say that. You know, they've got, they're yeah, crawling for the record, all over. That was Steve yeah. that said that. Yeah, they're crawling all over their moms. All right. The human race is covered. Uh, yeah. We'll see. It's funny because we really, Julia just listens. She knows that I just need to talk everything out. So I'll read a thing. It's like, and I'll just scream it from the other end of the room. California's running out of water in yeah. 15, 10 years. And she's just quiet, you know. We'll see what happens. If I had a kid, I would be gen- I genuinely happy. I do also understand that we are animals and our only job is to reproduce and that that will fill our bodies and our minds with the most joy and euphoria ever. But, you know, I could say no, I, I haven't done heroin either. You know, I don't have to do heroin. Yeah. And, no. <laughs> uh, so I don't, I'm happy, man. I like, I like going to In-N-Out and get animal style everything. That fucking... I jam out on that shit. Yeah, dude, I'm very fucking low lift too. <laughs> give me a blunt at the beach and like a uh, I'm se- I'm set for an afternoon. It's like a fucking $20 day. I'm made in the shade. Uh you have y- your podcasts are freak like you had the one with Amy, uh, Who's Your God? Now you have a new religious, Steve Reads the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Read the Bible with me with Steve Hernandez. Uh <laughs> it's uh I'm I'm doing it's just a straight up Bible study. Uh, I'm going to start having guests on soon. 
and then we'll pick out Bible stories that they know are like, oh, we're just teach stories. Right now, I'm just going through the book of James, fucking getting back into the zone. It's like radically hilarious. I was a youth pastor at a mega church in West Covina called Faith Community Church, currently called Faith Church. But uh, I grew up there from about the age of seven, and then it it got big as I, I got older, too. So it didn't start off that big. And then when I graduated high school, uh, they started an internship program. And uh, I, then I became the junior high pastor, then the high school pastor. Then I was over the whole thing, the student ministries, where I had 300 uh, kids in my high school class, 100 kids in my college class, 50 adult volunteer stuff, staff. We did Christian haunted houses. We did all the shit you fucking hear about. Oh, I was shit. a big part of it. I did all of it. I felt I felt gross doing it too. Uh, but then I stopped doing that 20 years ago. I just felt like God did not want me to be doing that. That um, I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time, which is totally fucking cool looking back, but not okay if you're a pastor. <laughs> yeah. And then I had started to drink. I was starting to get drunk sometimes too. And I was just like, Oh, this isn't the right thing for me to do. And and uh, that church asked me to not come back for a year. And so I kind of just span out. I've spun out ever since. Ten years later, I started stand-up. And now here we are ten years later. And I'm I'm back fucking studying the Bible. What what was your relationship with religion post that? Did you go like full rumspringa? Or were you like still a believer? Uh, still, but you knew that you can live the life where you believe in Christ and also still get drunk and fuck. Um, I, I've never, uh, I've always had issues with, um, the idea of atonement. Even when I was teaching it, it always really bothered me. The fact that, uh, Jesus had to die on the cross to pay for our sins. It never, the thing just never sat right. Yeah, I didn't it, ask him to do it. <laughs> like, I, like, I, mean, I appreciate a, that you made the move, man, but I don't well, feel I'm, like, uh, like someone you show up to a party is like, dude, can you give me $60 for pizza? It's like, what? It's like, I ordered a thousand dollars. It's like, well, I, that, I appreciate that, but I didn't, I didn't okay this. I got a lot of qualms with the actual thing. I don't buy in the concept, but the qualms I have, I was like, this guy dies once. He covers everybody. Wow, that's oh, that's nice. <laughs> he was, he's like, oh, he died for your sins. My sins? Come on. Everyone's. Give me a fucking break. But uh, no, I never. Uh, I was never mad at God. God is the thing. I'm starting to call my my the thing that my it's probably my conscience. It's what you would call your conscience. But I, I used to call it my holy the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I'm starting to call that thing God again. Um, oh, cool. But I never. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. I never. Um, was mad at God. Uh, I I was I wasn't even that mad at the church. The church I went to was a mega church. It was corporate, and I was full in bought into what that meant. Uh, so when they asked me to not come back, the church that I grew up with, that was my whole life for a yeah. year. I understood that they, I had too much influence there, and they wanted me to not have that influence anymore. And they I, 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 made sense to me. Uh, it's it's not a true act of Christianity or anything like that in retrospect, but I was in the business of big churches, so I understood where they're coming from. Um, I was, I, I think my real issue, and I, that's why I'm glad I started this podcast, is I've always had issues with the idea that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. It's really bothered me. And uh, anybody who knows theology and tries to get, for so long, I was, I kept trying to when you when you say that the Bible is perfect and inerrant, then every solution you have the the the, the answer always has to be that the Bible's perfect. So you have to come up with all these crazy concepts and ideas to make that one thing true. 
And once you get rid of that idea and you use your regular fucking basic brain that said, uh, regular guys like you and I wrote this thing and they wrote it <laughs> 2000 years ago before they knew anything. And they very well could have been wrong. They could have been bad people. Uh, then once you get rid of that, then uh, the idea of God and who he is and who he could be is open uh, wide and large. And also the Bible becomes, I think, pretty incredible as literature and as like mythology. You know, now, mythology is not the right word, but like the lore. Oh, I think of, Old yeah. Testament stuff is, is very, very myth, uh, mythological. But, uh, you know, I'm reading the book of James right now in the thing. Book, and James is, they believe it was Jesus's brother. And James, the Apostle Paul and Peter fucking really went at it right after Jesus died to figure out what Christianity was. The Apostle Paul eventually wins. He, he wrote 75% of what we know as Christianity. But the, these other guys, the battling, the politics of it is like really cool and interesting once you understand what's happening. Yeah, it's weird that you... The, the parallel that came to my mind, and I am uninformed on religion and politics, but I will say here, the parallel that came to mind was the Constitution. If it's like, if we if we break off that it's the perfect document and that it was done by people who were maybe bad or at least regular 200 years ago rather than uh, 2000, it's like you start to be like, well, why do we live so strictly by that? Like, you know, well, like and, it's we, the same, and, to, and it's the same people too. that yes, fucking uh, yeah, and hear both of these things like, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. And uh, it's that idea is fuckiness. Like, there's no way if this country continues to like adhere to the if the quarter of the country that are lunatics and my, I count my mom as one of those, sadly, but if the quarter of the country uh, remains lunatics, there is going to be bloodshed over all this dumb shit. Because they really believe they are 100% correct. Yeah. And it's like that moral correct, you know, like they, like, like you said, you're, you're constantly looking for self validation or like if the document's perfect, you fit your beliefs to that document. And then you're like, shit, now I'm on, on, unassailable in what I believe. And, I will say I have family members within that 25% as well. Just an interest of full disclosure. <laughs> I have like blood and in-laws that I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, my mom listened to my podcast and it's uh, my mom. I, I love my mom. Um, they did the best they could growing up, but she's like a she's a crazy Christian, but she's also pretty insightful, too. We'll have like monthly conversations where we talk for like four hours and I kind of code switch. And But I, I know the Bible. And I know God and the God that talks to me is like not that far off if you're talking about love and forgiveness and uh, peace and patience and all those things. You know, when my mom, like if my mom calls uh, gay people perverts, then, you know, I have to like walk out. That's happened where I go, hey, mom, if you do it again, I'm going to just leave. She did it. I'm like, OK, I'm going to leave. I'll talk to you later. Um, that kind of stuff where she just shared something on Facebook where <laughs> God. <laughs> the stuff for, that she for the <laughs> listeners i just watched steve whose face is like almost exclusively charming yeah. i just watched his face do like a, a full like 20 different expressions when you said and uh, uh like up down up down up down well she's you know she uh she found my bible podcast i'm only about six episodes in and i mean to her She's never seen my comedy. She doesn't like it if I just curse. And like I said, I'm a polyamorous fucking queer guy. I love to joke about sex and to talk about that stuff. <laughs> and uh, she found the, this episode of one of my things. And I mean, I must look like the Antichrist to her. No joke either, because I do know the Bible so well. 
And uh, right, right. She's, you know, she texted my sister. My sister called me, and she was like, "Mom, she's. I've never heard her like this. She's broken her heart." My my sister doesn't care either. My all my siblings and I, we had a bad childhood. So if if anybody out there is listening who's had a bad childhood, you know, uh, Will Hines, comedian Will Hines, has been working on this bit. I'm just blowing the bit. Sorry, Will. Uh, at open <laughs> mics, but he says, you know, siblings when a bad childhood. They're, they're either super close or they fucking just don't talk at all. And all yeah. my siblings, all my siblings were like, you know, paratroopers together. So we're so we're all on the same side. So my sister's just texting me through this shit. She's mom's broken hearted. She's like, I know she wants me to say like you're wrong, but I just keep saying I, I'm sorry you're sad. Uh, oh. she, yeah. <laughs> yes. she posted this on Facebook. Uh, the truth isn't easy to accept, uh, but God told us that what will happen in the end times. Please read your Bible. And she posted this, and I watched this YouTube clip. It's this, it's called, uh, the title is One World Religion Center Plans Unveiled in New York to Break Ground Soon. They're opening a synagogue, a church, and a mosque right next to each other. And this is like proof to my mom that this is the one world religion is forming and that the Antichrist is coming and, and that kind of shit. Oh shit! The guy Man. in the YouTube article, some some fat slob. Uh, we're both fat slobs, so I can say that. Uh, some fat slob who who actually quotes WeLoveTrump.com at some point. Oh. <laughs> oh. Look, I, I'm a New Yorker. I spent a lot my twenties walking around, listening to music and applying a soundtrack, whether it be an audio book a podcast or a song to pretty much every activity I did in the day. I got to set my own vibes because in real life, you can't control your vibes, whether it's something you're stoked about or something you'd rather not think about. The vibes aren't always in your control, but with wireless earbuds in your ears, you can control the vibes thanks to Raycon. So whether you use them to pump you up, wind you down, work or work out, me, I like to use them to keep my mind off of stuff, do, listen to audiobooks while I do chores, listen to audiobooks while I exercise, listen to music while I walk, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and these new everyday earbuds from uh, Raycon look, feel, and sound better than ever. Uh, improved rubber oil look and feel. Uh, it fits in your ear... You have to try it because um, I have normal, like not normal, but I have like very basic ears. So the most uh, wireless earpod, uh, earbuds fit pretty easily. Um, but these are mwah, the Raycon and everyone else I know is uh, stuff like for people who have my friends of mine who've tried them out who have weirder shaped ears they really love it eight hours of play time 32 hours of battery life awareness mode for when you need to be able to hear what's going on around you and they're half the price of around half the price of other premium audio brands but they sound just as good built-in mic take calls all that stuff and they come with a 45 day happiness guarantee so right now high and mighty listeners can get 15 percent off their raycon order at buyraycon.com slash mighty that's buyraycon.com slash mighty b-u-y-r-a-y-c-o-n.com slash mighty m-i-g-h-t-y Hey, look, you're a busy guy, so stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. The Daily Wear System is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics and built to work together. From breathable tees and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear and beyond, Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure, and play, wherever your summer takes you. You know me. 
diehard Mac Weldon underwear guy, big fan of the Mac Weldon t-shirts. Uh, and like, because I have my Mac, well, here's the thing. I know Mac Weldon underwear fits me. I know that if I'm running low on drawers, drawers, however you say it, you can just order more. Uh, and for me, knowing that uh, I'm going to get comfortable underwear that fits and looks good on me, that's all I, all I need. But if you also want a lazy Sunday accessory, the ace sweatshorts rule, uh, the silver net polo and radius shorts people really like for high tech, highly packable traveling, uh, buy yourself some time this summer with the Mac Weldon daily wear system for 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash high and enter promo code high. That's that's MacWeldon.com slash high promo code high for 20% off. Mac Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. I was raised Catholic, uh, and my mom is still very, very Catholic. Uh, and it feels the thing that undid it for me was like eventually I got to like the age where. And I think it's like reactionary punk childhood shit, but hypocrisy drove me crazy. And my parents are the generation of like, do as we say, not as we do, like yeah. two alcoholics <laughs> yelling at yeah. you for drinking, you know, like <laughs> two like uh, former, you know, like a, a former, <laughs> former violent. My dad was always violent, uh, <laughs> but like telling you to how to live your life, like high school dropout uh, grounding you for not doing it, for failing a test or whatever. Just a lot of shit that started to really rub me the wrong way. And I was just like, and then religion and I was in catechism and this teacher hit me with a fucking pencil in the head because I was, I, I was like, he was going on and on about something. And I'm like, a, as a kid, I'm like a nerd who can like read something and soak it in. I think it's from like reading D and D instruction manuals. I'm just like, gotta know all the saving throws. So like we are reading shit in religion and I'm like, and I'm like, Oh, consecration is what you're talking about. And he couldn't think of the word. And he just came <laughs> over with a pencil and hit me on the head. And I was like, but I was right. And he was like, you spoke out of turn. And I was like, wait a minute. Do you think Jesus would be wail wailing on apostles for speaking out of turn at the last supper? And that, this one dude who is actually a friend's dad too, just ruined religion for me. When I was like, if you're a guy who teaches religion and hits kids, fuck hits kids that aren't yours. My dad hit me. I understood that that was okay. <laughs> but if anyone else lays hands on me, I'm, I'm supposed to fucking it's on site. So I was like, that undid me. And then for the rest of my life, I couldn't unsee everything that was a hypocrisy in religion. And it's individual to individual. Cause I have a few friends who I meet their relatives who are religious people. And they're like, I write letters to all the prisoners at Sing Sing. And you're like, oh, and they're like, and I volunteer and I make dresses for kids and I, uh, I donate backpacks for back. To and it's like, oh, that's, that's the religious people I want to be around. Not the people who are telling you how to live your life, but the people who are like, God probably wants me to play the piano every Sunday at this uh, homeless shelter or whatever, you know, like the shit that people, the shit God, when God moves people to do that, I love it. When God moves people to like join the U.S. Marine Corps and, uh, you know, join the party <laughs> of imperialism around the globe. I'm like, I don't know how heavy God is into that, bro. Uh, yeah. I mean, all that stuff is, is part of the reason why I'm doing the Bible podcast again. Uh, it, it started uh, during lockdown with all the Black Lives Matter stuff. 
because like I said, I had this podcast with Amy Miller, very funny comedian uh, that we just we just ended this week. uh, Who's your God? Where we would interview comedians about the religious upbringing and their current beliefs and stuff. And uh, so I was always around this God stuff, but I, I don't really care in a lot of ways. I don't really care. But I am very knowledgeable about the stuff, and I find the stuff interesting. But um, once we started going to Black Lives Matter stuff, um, I was hearing all these like uh, powerful, strong Black women. Black Lives Matter is like ran by Black women uh, preach basically and talk about the God of the Bible in such a way—a God of justice and love and peace. And I remembered, like, oh yeah, that's the God that I know. It's none of this. It's not based on rules, but it's this God of, you know, of of the slaves that wanted us to uprise against uh, not only powerful governments and powerful overlords and stuff, but even the sins that oppress us. Uh, You know, we'll get into the word sin later and shit, but to overthrow these things. But that to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I still believe in this God. I still love that God. And I shouldn't be ashamed about that stuff. So I had that thing going on. And then I found this out. The megachurch I grew up in uh, was uh, pastored by a guy named Dr. Jim Reeve, um, who is a great teacher. He has a PhD from Fuller Seminary. Uh, it's like the Harvard of the West Coast. Very brilliant. He taught me the Bible in a brilliant way. I love the Bible. I love the word. I love all that kind of shit. I love reading because of this guy. But they've recently, in the past couple of years, passed the church on to his son that I grew up with, who's one year yet one year older than me, and who's just like, the biggest fucking chud you've ever oh. met in your life. <laughs> so this guy, I grew up with this guy. This family, my first girlfriend is the daughter in this family. But so I know everything that's wrong with them. But they pa- passed it on to this son. And he's always been in the ministry for these past 20 years. He's one year older than me. Past 20 years, he's always been in the ministry. But they're handing the teaching over to him. And their stuff's on YouTube. Uh, it's like well-produced and stuff. And he's hands down one of the worst preachers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, like laugh out loud, funny. And, uh, I know the, the dad, Jim Reeve, I know he's just a control freak. I know they all look at this like a business. Uh, so all of these people, uh, are hired on non tax exempt because of how, how, how our government works. And then they hire their wives for a hundred thousand dollar a year job with that's tax exempt. And then they have, um, a housing allowance, all tax exempt. So all this stuff. And then I found out the property that we bought when I was 15 years old for $3 million, an old Hughes aircraft base that everybody like put in money to help build out. And it's beautiful. Now they're selling it to Amazon. We, we bought that property 20 years ago, 25 years ago for $3 million. They are now selling it to Amazon for $30 million. And I do not know what's going to happen with that money. Uh, yeah, that's a $27 million profit and they are not going to pay a lick of tax on it. <laughs> no, they're not paying taxes. And I don't, I would never accuse them of doing anything illegal, but this son is the worst preacher I've ever seen. I know preaching and he's a terrible preacher. Uh, I'm just tired of, I do believe that these people ruin their lives or ruin other people's lives. This is a working, West Covina's working class, black, Mexican, a white, uh, other Latinos, um, they live at the beach and they just drive in now and do this stuff. And a lot of, I know a lot of Mexicans go there and stuff because we're like, we're Catholic at hearts too. So they just think of the, they think of the pastor like a priest and stuff. They can do whatever they want, but the whole thing's just so fucked up to me. So to know that there's a real God out there that has the true potential, I believe 
to spiritually heal our nation in a way if that was a real thing happening. And then we have this fucking smut bullshit thing. Who The, the best they could do is not say anything about politics, which is what this church does. The worst what they could do is heavily endorse yeah, uh, and, Donald and, Trump and other awful, you know, anti-abor- anti-abortion, uh, just the worst thing in, in the... So to me, I had to start this fucking podcast um, just to to get back into the Bible, to sit, trying to see what's good in there, to call out these motherfuckers. And, uh, and uh, I, you know what, Gabe, I just found, I figured out, like, I really love this shit. It's like a, like a hobby, and we're going to churches for our Patreon and just straight reviewing churches. We're going to these Hollywood churches, and uh, I love going to church, and I understand everything they're doing because I used to put together all this stuff. So to me, I'm like, I feel like I found my hobby, this new thing that I love, and I'm like flying high on the shit. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's the stupidest hobby in the world, though. No, but here's the thing. I just love your angle on it it make it's like so refreshing because it's like one of those things when you hear about like this is such a hack comparison but like uh, or not hack comparison but dumb uh ham-fisted comparison like i just watched that movie just mercy with michael b jordan where he's based on that guy brian stevenson who's like doing anti-death penalty work and i was like oh it makes me really happy that there are people smart interesting people who are dedicating themselves to something I'm against and are fighting that. And it's like, that is so hearing something, a good, more good people getting it. Like, I feel like young people are either indoctrinated into the church uh, or turned off by the church so easily that like, if, if there was just better vibes, if there was just more understanding, if there was just more like, look that the church needs a congregation. It's like, you know, gay people will tithe. Like, like <laughs> well, I don't you know, understand that. Like, I don't like the flock, the sheep. Like, you know, what are you going to take a sheep who has like one rainbow hoof and fucking <laughs> not let them in your flock? No. Yeah, there, there are. That's the other thing, too. I'm on the hunt here in Los Angeles for good churches, too. I know there are good ones out there. I want to have on as guests. We're going to have comedians, but also renegade pastors. I know a few renegade pastors. I know a guy who used to work at a um, at a mega church out there called Christ Church of the Valley who stopped doing that, uh, sold his house, and he bought a laundry mat, and he's going to use that to meet people and to like be good to the people of that community. To me, that sounds like like Christ to me. That sounds like some real Christian yeah. shit uh, compared to like you know hanging on these big buildings and flying in. Uh, I went to. Do you know who Chad Veach is? No, I don't. Oh my think god, so. <laughs> he's one of Bieber's pastors. There's like oh, three, I, okay, three or four. I, now I know who you're talking about. There's, yeah. there's like three of them. You might not. There's a guy named Judas Smith too that's also in here. But Chad Veach is a real preacher, and we just went to his church last week. And it's like you know, it's gross. I could tell you all the reasons why it's gross. But also, he's from Seattle. He went to Bible school in San Dimas. Has the thickest Southern accent you've ever heard. Uh, it's. <laughs> I mean, I just love all this shit so much. Sick merch. I'm wearing some of their merch right now. Uh, proudly sell merch. There's merch is like streetwear. I love it for Christ. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I don't know what exactly. I gotta get I, my stations of the cross joggers. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, they have this stuff. I'll shoot you some stuff after. I, I don't know what exactly I'm doing with this, but I've never been more excited on a project, and uh, uh, I, I'm really happy doing it. My my father in law, Julia's dad, used to be a minister as well in the Lutheran Church. Oh, and, wow. Uh, 
He's like he's very uh, theologically advanced too. So we spit a lot of game at each other. It's so funny though, I because as much as this thing is about the Bible, I do really bag on these churches, and then I I'm me, which is kind of disturbing for a parent, I think. Yeah. So I, I felt bad because they listened to the first three episodes. And I know in the fourth episode, I was talking, I did, talked a lot of stuff about uh, gay sex that I've had and stuff. And I was like, they're like, we're, we were, they're like, we're all caught up on three. We can't wait. That's and probably I, good. I, That's probably enough. I, yeah. I was like, you guys shouldn't <laughs> listen. They've seen my stand up where I talk about group sex and I'll, they're just quiet about it. They're very good people. Uh, but then um, they must have listened to the fourth episode because I got an email from her dad. And uh, <laughs> it's long and he's not bad. He's not bad about it, but he's just like, well, why do you talk about it? I think he thinks I'm, I'm trying to convert people still. And I'm just absolutely not. This isn't that kind of a thing. I, I think that's a, who, whatever your, per, your relationship is with God or your conscience or the universe or that is so different and private. I do think there, there might be some absolutes, things like love and forgiveness and peace, that kind of shit. But uh, I, I, I was like, you know, I, I got to write him back an email, but I'm got, just going to be like, you know, I talk about sex because I think it's hilarious, James. And, you know, yeah, and I'm it's so something like th th therein lies the hypocrisy, like any pastor who has a child. It's like you you fucked. We know you fucked. At some point. Well, but. I mean, you know, we went we went to Columbia with them once and once they kind of let because uh, if, if you don't know, if uh, you guys don't know and you're listening, I'm like, I talk about sex a lot in my stuff. Uh, and he, they've seen my stand up several times and they're very supportive. They're great people, very smart, sharp, beautiful people. But they started talking about sex in a way where they were like. Almost that it's like very holy and stuff and uh, sacred. And uh, I was just like, well, okay. I was just quiet. They like let it slip because I know they, <laughs> they know what I think about that. Don't get me wrong. I do think sex can be sacred and holy. And I do think that there's I, – I feel very responsible for people when I have sex with them. Um, but you could also just have fun sex with people and it's okay. And it doesn't yeah. have to be the holiest of things either. It just like whether you're not trying to convert people, but like, I just did this like, uh, fast and the furious podcast with Nicole Byer, where we like cover. And so many people are like, I would never have watched these movies, but your guys like excitement for them made me turn them on. And the way you explained what's fun about them made me. And I was like, that's what needs to be done for like religion, anti-rate, like just more and more people talking about like, well, religion isn't exactly this, like it doesn't have to be what you were brought up in. Like, especially for anyone like our age and older, it's like, if you're, if you're not religious, it's be like, like it's like, it was the most boring thing in the world was to every Sunday have to go in my fucking little karate gi with my giant starter jacket over it and <laughs> and get fucking communion and sit through church quietly while all your friends were like playing and shit. Well, and yeah, I, you know, I guess you're right. I guess I hadn't thought about that. I wasn't trying to. I don't even know why I'm. I don't. I you know. I guess you. I I'm definitely gonna. I do and I definitely can make it fun. I don't know why exactly I'm pointing to this. I do think it's just like. I have not, I'm not prepared to write off this swath of people. You know, we talked about this quarter of a people that are family. I'm just Dude. not prepared to write them off. And Dude, if I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to at all. And I feel like, I'm like, but I, I can't find myself getting eye to eye on these hype. And I'm, I'm creating a hypothetical person here, obviously. And I may be <laughs> painting with too broad of a stroke, but like, I can't picture myself finding something that I can get eye to eye with some of these people on. Yeah. And, and the thing is with this stuff, um, 
I, I love it so much. And uh, because of my upbringing and teaching, I'm pretty theologically well-versed. I can pretty much go toe-to-toe with anybody that knows the Bible. Um, I hope that when you listen to this, because I have a lot of friends that are still believers or believers to some degree, good Christian guys that I meet with like once or twice a year, and they know who I am and they know what I'm about. And I love these guys. I grew up with them. And um, I think it's nice that they're still friends with me like that. (laughs) I really do think it's nice. And uh, I just hope that when they watch that, I think that's what I'm fighting. I'm fighting uh, for people, for myself and for people like me to say that, hey, I love God and I know God. Because this comes up with my mom a lot. And uh, when we're debating and talking, I'm like, I know God and I love God and you don't get to own him. You guys don't get to say exactly who he is and how, what, how he's telling me to live my life. So I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, we're in comedy here in Los Angeles. So it's almost like you just throw this stuff to them and say, oh, it's just for losers and just for dummies. And I just think that religion oftentimes is just these ancient people had a they, they experience these holy things that we experience too. Sometimes when we're watching TV, sometimes when we're talking with our, our spouses or our partners, sometimes when we're with our friends, these holy moments that they just put the word God on it. And I'm not prepared to, to give that over to the other side completely because I, I, I believe those things are holy. I believe friendship's holy. I believe sex can be holy. And I, I, I believe, you know, a one-night stand could probably be holy, too. I haven't had that one yet. I'm looking for it. So if you're out there, folks, uh, hit me up at Hernia on Instagram. Uh, but I do Couple have holies. But I do love before sunset. I want that for myself. Okay, folks? Uh, or before sunrise. Yeah. Uh, Any one of the three, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess I am fighting in a way to say that uh, I don't uh, – that God, God isn't um, – you know, they're, they're, the religious people always try to define God. They they put God in a box, especially if you think that the Bible's perfect. You're telling me that God has nothing new to say to us in the past 2,000 years. I think you're fucking crazy. I think they, they talk about a living God, and he has nothing new to say yeah, he, to he us. Yeah, he, like, doesn't have anything to, like, roll smartphones into. The, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't like, okay, a lot of stuff I didn't think about uh, when I made some of these rules. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, re- let me restate this if I've never stated it. I don't believe God is a being. Uh, but I, I don't believe there's a guy or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do believe we do not understand reality that uh, that uh, there are other realities go that I think science believes this or at least hypothesizes there are other re- realities and dimensions going on around us at all times. I think we have no idea what's going on. So when I say God, I'm talking about the mysterious. I'm talking about the sacred. I'm talking about love, holy stuff we don't understand. Um and that I'm very comfortable with not understanding. I think most religious people, they have no idea. They cannot sit in I don't know for, to save their lives. I, f- that- I find some people are find these things, whether it be religion or, and I'm not. I don't mean to conflate two things that are of various importance, but like religion or CrossFit or Joe Rogan or UCB or like you find something that's like, oh, okay, cool. This is the guide. This is how you live your life. Oh shit! Thank God I don't have to like be curious <laughs> or be worried. You know, like oh, I found a I found a good track to lock my wheels into, and I'm just gonna ride it. And I'm not saying that's true for everyone that gets into religion, but I do feel some people are stoked to have like. Uh, like guy, here's something that bothers me about, uh, religion. Do if you're, if you believe God created humans, do you think 
as a Christian, do they believe that God also created Jewish people? And are they wrong? Like that, this is where my brain goes. It's like, well, if God created everybody, then he made the Muslim dude too. Like, it's like, I like by your own design or did five different gods make a bunch of people. And then we was like, you guys got to fight about who's right for the rest of eternity. It's like, that doesn't sound right either. It feels like we might, there's, it feels like there's probably like God, if God's a being or an idea or a concept, whatever he is, he knows about other religions, right? Well, I mean, the God of the Bible, they'll tell you the God of the Old Testament, especially, is very jealous. And that's like big, big time what that God was about, is striking down other gods. So that's what the very early Mm. books in the Bible will say that that's one of the main things. So is that what like when people say shit, like when like Sam Jackson says, like, we're going to go Old Testament on these motherfuckers like that? (laughs) Is that what they mean? Like, or is that, you know, in the Bible, God kills uh, people a bunch. Uh, You know, he did it through the flood with Noah, but he also did it in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he'll regularly... he trick people, people into killing their kids. <laughs> yes, yeah. So God, yeah, when you say I'm going to go Old Testament, it means like God doesn't care. The 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 10 plagues. God does, he, who who if you do believe the Bible is perfect, God obviously in the Old Testament had um he did not care about human life in the least bit. I mean, that's no. just straight up in the Bible. So Yeah, if you if you believe that dogmatically, then like that's you believe that the guy the God you believe is full of love has was also cap- but I I do think See, that's a God's complex and we forgive him for it. So that means I, too, can be insanely violent and release the 10 (laughs) plagues and get forgiveness for it. Well, they love all that Old Testament stuff. That's why the book of Revelation is so funny. The final book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, uh, was one guy's dream. And uh, it's really based on the Roman Empire, but Christians like talk about it now like... Jesus is going to come back with a fire sword. So this this guy who was not about completely about nonviolence to the point that he would rather die than uh, you know and get slaughtered and tortured than to use his powers to hurt anybody to call that's, in a favor from his dad. <laughs> yeah, that same guy is coming back with a fucking Fuck. fire sword. Wow, lopping off heads, you know. And that's what I mean. This brand, American brand of white evangelical Christianity. They love that shit. They love Schwarzenegger. They love still. I love Schwarzenegger. I love still. They love yeah. all that stuff where just satisfying that fucking Old Testament, a ch- an eye for an eye, a cheek for a cheek. Christ came. His teaching was completely different where he says it's better to die than to fucking be like these people, basically, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, but I mean, you know, you wouldn't know that to modern Christianity right now is like all about the American dream all about being rich and successful. And if you're not rich and successful, if you're poor, it's your fault. And uh, it, it goes, the Bible. I'm, that, that feels I mean, like I have, I've been out of touch with uh, church for you know 20 <laughs> plus years. And that feels like, I don't know if God's like, yo, I remember specifically him being hating money changers, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I mean, he, he's truly for poor people. The book of James, he's like, he, the book of James, it's so crazy. We went to this guy, Chad Veach's church. Um, it's at the million dollar theater downtown. It's like a 2000 seater. Um, Jesus. Uh, but, uh, I read an article about Chad Veach. Uh, they did it on a, the New York times. They did an article on him and he, he said like, oh, I have no problem. We're, we're going to treat the VIP, our VIP guests like good so that they, they need to hear about God too. So we're going to let them sit in the front row. We're going to make sure nobody bothers them. The book of James in chapter two says specifically, do not show favor to rich people. 
It says, <laughs> if you show, if somebody, if a rich person comes into your church and you say, I have a seat for you, but you see a poor person, you go, you sit over there or stand. This is literally in the Bible. Uh, then, you know, then woe to you and all this shit. And I, I mean, my mind is blown that this kind of hypocrisy is going on in the Christian church that uh, that adores the Bible too. That's another thing. I think the Bible too, a lot of these Christians is like the golden calf. It's like this thing, they have fallen in love. They worship this artifact and have taken their eyes completely off God by doing that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, but I'm not, I, you know, I don't give a shit either. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta believe me. I mean, if you see me do, if you follow me on Twitter or stand up or anything, I also there's a big part of me. I don't even with my mom. I don't. We we've got this fight now, where and my mom and I don't fight like that. I'm very good at healing relationships in my family. My family's very important to me, but I just don't know what to say to her right now. Like I don't know. I texted her and I said, "Hey, I love you. I heard you listen to that podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm well, not. I'm sorry. I said I'm sad that you're sad." Um, I think if we, I think it's going to take a lot of work for us to both feel seen and heard, but I'm prepared to do that work if you are. Um, Damn, dude. You know, this come is some to- fucking heavy. I mean, <laughs> if any younger listeners are listening, this is the shit that starts happening in your life in your late 30s, early 40s. It's like, I think I, I have to call my uncle on behalf of my mom and ask him to like calm down. Going, You know, it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I don't want to be doing all this shit. I moved to Los Angeles to fucking smoke weed and goof off. Now I got to like have these heavy ass conversations. Like it's that adulthood hits you like a fucking Mack truck when you're like, well, yeah. I'm ready to do the work and healing my mom and shit. Like that's fucking hard, man. I'm, well, I mean, yeah, you you know, my my uh, my aunt and uncle died of COVID. My mom's brother and sister died of COVID in January. She still barely just got the vaccine because her job made her do it. She she didn't want to do it then either. But my aunt was like the heart of our family, and uh, and we had all our Christmases and Easter there. She was so young, and she was she was in good health. They all the, all those siblings just had TB when they were young, and they think that's why it just took Ooh. them out so hard. And but my Fuck. aunt was fifty eight, could have been fifty, like vibrant, heart of the family. Um, and it, when she died, it was like. I'm sorry. So man. sad. No, that's okay. Uh, she yeah. had like a four-hour Zoom funeral. All these people just kept talking. It was so beautiful. By the way, if you're going to die a week within your sibling, make sure you're like a pretty good person because my uncle, real loser. And I'm telling you, we had those we had the Zoom funerals a week apart. You don't want them so close <laughs> together because you could really – it's like when you're on tour and you're like, the Seattle crowd sucked. <laughs> Dude, they, died within, they died within a week of each other. My uh, my aunt's funeral, four hours, weeping, all this fan outpouring. This other guy, you know, he's the kind of uncle like – Mexicans have this. I don't, I don't think white people have it, but they have some uncle who's like done so much drugs and stuff. He's pretty much like the Fonz. You like go over and he's just like, hey, like what do you like? You, they don't even say words; they're just quiet in the corner. The sound you made is was an impression of your Mexican uncle, but it could yeah. easily be several Long Island. Uh, hey, Jay, fuck yeah. you. They're like, yeah. faces are red and yes. puffy, and they're yes. like still telling you about how the fucking pothole I stepped in is paying dividends. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah just why? Just like I've never had a relationship with the guy. So we have this big four-hour funeral. The week later. Later, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. I was like, because I don't got much to say about this guy. I was like, I don't, we got to make this thing at least an hour. And, you know, it's sad. My mom said, it's sad. My mom was like, he loved potato salad. And I was like, oh boy. 
<laughs> we're oh, digging boy. deep. It's like, hold on, looking at his trading cards here. He had a 400 batting average. Yeah. I was like, when you're bringing a potato salad at a guy's funeral, dude, you really whiff this one, Uncle Hank. Um, uh, uh, when that, go on. I was going to say, uh, you just made me think of a time, a time when I changed my uh, viewpoint of religion. I used to be anti-religion in my early in my 20s where i'd be like it's dumb it's stupid don't do this and then my dad uh d- died while well, he's suffering from brain cancer and was in hospice in our house and my mom had a favorite priest named dr valentine this indian dude um and she loved him so much from her church and he was in india on a mission and when my dad was in hospice she didn't want anyone else to do the last rites except for Dr. Uh, Dr. Valentine, Father Valentine. Uh, and um, uh, I think it was because my mom's maiden name is also Valentino. So she's like, like she had this like weird distinct connection with this Indian guy. And when he finally, my dad lived long enough that when Dr. Valentine got back from us, Father Valentine got back from his mission, he came over. And the look on my mom's face when this guy did to me, which was ostensibly like, holding my dad's hand and saying shit to him, something I've been doing for 10 days at this point. But when he did that, the look on my mom's face, the peace that she got from that, and the way she was talking to me and my brothers, who are also atheists, going like, wasn't that beautiful the way Father Valentine did? And we were like, I don't see it at all, but I dare myself to go religion's bullshit to my mom (laughs) in this moment. And it's like, okay, yeah, why would I do it to people ever then? Like in this moment, I'm like, you know, what? even if I disagree completely with it, it's like this made you feel, this is the first piece I saw in my mom's face in like a year at that point. And I was like, okay, well, whether or not I agree with it, it's helped some people. And like in that moment, it was just such a real pure, and that's like more of the shit I want like people to know about, the non-religious people who I think, Christianity is getting like a bad rap because of politics in America, in America, Christianity is getting like a kind of a bad rap from a chunk of people, not everybody. But I'm, I'm, I want people to know about like the other half of religion. That is like, like I was saying, like the people who are like, I do clothing drives. You know what I mean? Like, it's not all like I donate exclusively to pro-life charities and shit like that. We know we don't have like the f- donation uh, political action committee going to the federalist society. We like, but like the Catholic church owns the most amount of real estate in Manhattan. Like, uh, you know, like that's, that's huge money. That's huge tax free money that these motherfuckers. Are I making. mean, I can't even talk about, I don't even talk about the Catholic church. Cause I'm just anytime I don't, but I also just don't, I have uh, I have friends that are still Catholic and friends, wives that are great people. And I'm like, you know, if the hundred years of child rape isn't going to dissuade you, nothing I saw, <laughs> nothing I'm going to say is going to get you out of it. Yeah, but I, I also like- <laughs> who cares? Also, like truly, like I don't care if you want to stay Catholic, whatever. Um, I think the problem is just when um, people use that stuff as a crutch. And uh, yeah, so, so a crutch funny. or a baton, either yeah. one. Like yeah. crutch or a baton to not deal with you know, reality or what's truly what's really happening, what's in front of you. And, um, you know, I, I think I've found that in my family to be the case too, but, um, you know, I, I love God. I love, uh, I love the mysteries of the universe. I love human relationships. I love this shit. I eat it up. Um, I would say, and this is like, it's interesting. I wouldn't say the phrase "I love God," but all the other phrases you've said <laughs> around it, yeah. I truly stand by. Like I, I, I love uh, interpersonal dynamics amongst humans. I love caring for individuals. I love love. I love 
unions. I love yeah, yeah, all this to shit. Me, yeah. I, I just put the word on there because that's what right. I do. But well, that's what it, I, that's what I, I was gonna I was gonna get. Like you said, you might use the word conscious. I use the word God. And then if you if you just like that moment when you're like watching like a fucking pink ass sunset and you're like holy shit and you're like <laughs> look at your partner and you're like both smiling and you have like a little bit of your forearm hair is tingling and standing up you're like who's to say that's not fucking god in that moment right that is god to some I, people I god call, makes yeah, sunsets I, I would call that god in that moment i've got no right. problem doing that and and you know god willing if my relationship with my mom heals that i'm going to do the work for that i would call that god too i and and Fuck yeah. and if and and you know, I didn't finish, I finished my thought with the funeral oh, stuff is when that happened, all I really wanted um, was I want to be this sad when my mom dies. So I think when you get to be around our age that that if you don't, if you have disrepair in your life with those kind of relationships, I was like, I'm just like, my mom's got maybe 10 years left, something like that. I yeah. just want to be very sad when she dies and know that I left it out there on the mat with her, that I did the best I could on my end. And yeah. And if her and I... If she can accept me for who I am and love me, uh, you know, I know she loves me, but if she, she doesn't think I'm a good person, that kind of thing is like, oh man, that bums me out because. Yeah. It's like the one person you kind of want for you to think is like that you want to think you're a good person is probably your mom. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I also don't care. She voted for Trump. So I've got all this stuff going on at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what do I care what someone who voted for Trump thinks about me? Like right. they're obviously fucked in the head, but <laughs> there is because we're kids because we're fucking human animals. Uh, the stuff still means something, but if I would consider it like a God, God miracle. If, uh, when my mom dies, we're seeing eye to eye and we know each other and we accept each other and I'm prepared to compromise on my end too. I don't give a fuck. I don't think I know everything either. Yeah. It, but you do know, like the way you're, the language you're using here is accepting of your mother, despite like constant, despite fundamental disagreements, and all you're asking is for <laughs> that reciprocation, right? Like, we'll see, we will see. <laughs> like, but, I, but I guess what I'm getting at is like that's not a huge ask, like, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't mean to. I'm not painting what your uh, relationship is. I'm just saying more like that shouldn't be a big deal to be like. I wish my mom would accept her son. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like that's a fucking problem. But I don't understand how. And this this is what we talked about earlier. But my brain goes to like, how does God like how how could you let God get in between the family in a way that's like God is the fit like. It's about your son. Like it was a miracle when he's brought into the earth. You baptized him. You did all this shit. You like, you know, all, the miracle of birth, all of this stuff. And now you have this person who is like what God and humanity is, is like the birth of life, the creation of life, a soul. You're this thing. And to not accept it feels like ungodlike, right? Like it feels ungodly. It feels not like it's. It it, it it goes against God, but it doesn't go against religion. That's this is what religion oh, does. Oh shit! That there's the fucking delineation that uh, this is going to be the thing I now fucking say at parties all the time. Is. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, and I think I think you're right. I think I'm more comfortable hearing that someone believes in God than someone following a religion, and it's because that. And I don't know why. I actually don't know why, but it feels to me less. It feels so hypocritical to buy into, like, even, like, in politics, you're like, I'm a Republican, so I have to believe all of these things. And it's like, well, you could also be a Republican who is, you know, pro-abortion. Like, like yeah, you could yeah. believe everything else, but, but it's so weird that now you can't have any, like, 
can't have any delineation like that, right? Like it's like there's like it just you can't be a Christian and a liberal. Like like people go like really and or you can, and it's like wait why why can't you be that why can't you be that why can't and it feels like you have to be you have to be a hundred percent in like whatever a hundred percent the archetype you want to be like you can't fucking be like 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 Steve you're you you contain multitudes you know a queer Mexican man who hosts a, a, who like talks about God on a podcast like a polyamorous queer Mexican as you the words you used yourself it's like that's the shit that like that's the fucking interesting thing to me like the other people like you don't you, you didn't just jump on the tracks of like now I believe everything you guys are talking about here you're like analyzing it coming at it from your own place and that that feels so much richer and so much deeper and so much more pure to me well I also this is going to be a controversial statement I also think that's why Joe Rogan's so popular is because I think he goes in and out of all that stuff I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he says but I do think he's just like a regular dopey guy, like talking to a bunch of different people. Bro, and, uh, I, my entire like, life was spent in gyms and locker rooms. Yeah. And, and like, I know a hundred dudes like that who are just the, the ch more charming, more informed version meatheads. And yeah. like, I gotta say, and like, this is something I'm not comfortable saying because of that. Like, start <laughs> I, I like, I used to listen to a lot of Joe. I like a lot of I stuff. Still he does listen. Talk I still listen. I tweet about it. I don't lie either, but I, I'll listen to like two or three episodes a month. Like, if I really like someone on, or he has someone like very interesting on. And, and that's, I mean, I'm smart enough too to be like, Oh, this is bullshit. Like he he's in love with cops. Like he loves cops. Like oh, they can't yes. do any wrong. So there's stuff like this where I'm listening to where I go, oh, well, that's just con that's just conservative bullshit. But uh he does like they talk for three hours. He'll say some very sweet things. He's a very empathetic guy a lot of times. Uh I don't agree with most of the stuff he he does, but uh I do think that's why he's so popular, is that you hear somebody uh that's like fighting to like not be boxed in by any of the things you're talking about. Right. And then the irony is his appeal is that he's fighting to not be boxed in, but uh, some of his acolytes just box themselves into the exact Joe Rogan belief system. Yeah. Like I they're mean, like, they don't see the questioning of him and say like uh, his questioning of whatever and go, I should question more stuff. They go, I should question exactly what he's questioning, which is sort yeah. of like a misunderstanding of Joe. like these do your own research guys. You know, they're like, yeah. you got to do your own research. It's like, I did do my own research. I listened to a guy who said, do your own research. It's like, wait, no, no, no. You got to do your own research. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff. I listened to it. It's so funny. I'm back at the bar. Um, I really am grateful for the new mandates coming out in L.A. Uh, starting October 7th to go to bars, wineries, nightclubs, breweries. You have to have your first shot. And then by November 7th, you have to have your second shot. And, you know, I work in Covina, man. The Half of those people were not fucking getting vaccinated. It's a very young bar, too. I remember when I was, I, when I was 23, I don't know if I would have got the fucking shot if I was a, a drinking 23-year-old. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've been quoted as saying, like, if COVID happened in the early 2000s when I was 19 or 20, your homie would be like the kid being interviewed in Florida. It's like, <laughs> you're here on spring break. I'm like, oh, who cares? I'm not going to live forever. That would be exactly me. Like, And I know that. And I'm comfortable. So I don't judge. I, I hold my judgment for these some of these people here. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm like, now that the mandate's coming, uh, I have a very uh, popular comedy show that we haven't brought back at the Chatterbox every Sunday night at 9 and we haven't brought it back because I'm like, I can't invite comics here when half these people haven't been vaccinated. But yeah. now that, they, that we have to, they're like, you guys aren't doing that. I'm like, they could take our liquor license. They're like, 
all right, I'll go get it now because yeah. they want to drink at their bar. That's the only reason. It's Dude, funny too. <laughs> that's Australia's <laughs> Australia's marketing campaign is literally posters everywhere that says "Let's all get back to the pub," and it's like <laughs> get the shot and we can get to the pub, and it's working. Like yeah. it's like, and it's like that's that's what it needs to be. Like it needs to be like. You want to, you want this gig? You fucking I mean, I'm very covid safe solely I don't think I'll die if I get covid and I'm a fucking walking stack of comorbidities. <laughs> but I'm worried if I got covid I'd miss one day of work, you know, like where they're like, "Oh, you popped negative, you can't do this guest star." And it's like, "I need that $800." They're like, "Live, dude." <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I uh, yeah, I got it as soon as fat people were allowed to get it. I got it. We got we got covid the first week before lockdown. When oh, lockdown shit. happened, we already had it um so i'm all that i'm not like i'm very lucky I, I think i've had a different covid or lockdown than a lot of people just because i haven't been afraid but um yeah all that to say is yeah you know whatever everybody's dumb uh Everybody. <laughs> everybody's dumb joe rogan's dumb too yeah uh, and honestly that's if as long as you learn like realize that the people you look up to are also dumb which is like the thing with parents or pastors or Joe Rogan or your teacher or your uh, uh, partner. Like once you just go like, Hey, we're all kind of dumb. You're kind. Why am I? So I don't have to go so hard to what you're saying. Cause you're kind of dumb. I don't have to like let it affect me too much. Cause I'm kind of dumb. Like don't yes. be stressed out by what I'm doing. Cause I'm dumb. Like we're all yeah. fucking idiots. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's the only way I could, I would be going crazy working at the bar and thinking like that. And, and I'm grateful that I work in the bar cause I, I I'm, I'm, I'm very progressive. Uh, and I live in Hollywood, but I go back, I go back there every week, man. And I have to see these people that have some crazy ideas about some things, uh, but are generally pretty good people. And your I've bar, seen your bars is like my version of Long Island. Like yeah, I gotta yeah, go yeah, back to exactly. Long Island and be like, okay, all my old friends who are <laughs> cops and lacrosse coaches, time to fucking hang out with them and yeah. and let them call me the f word despite having <laughs> yeah. never had a gay experience in my life. <laughs> Dude, you don't understand too. I, I mean, I'm grateful, so grateful for the Chatterbox too. It's 25 miles out. And I, I run an open mic there. I've run the show over 10 years. But that's basically, I do comedy there, and then I come out here. And I've learned, I've learned to do comedy by talking to basically middle America over there, where I, I, that's where I learned to get away with all my gay jokes and to get away with all this stuff. Because I can do that stuff out here. It's fine. But I had to, like, eat shit for a couple of years to figure out a way to, how to tell these people that. I suck dick and them not to hate me. Right, uh, right. Yeah, for, but for it's you to be like, and I, how crazy is this, huh? You know, yeah, like you gotta yeah, like yeah. sell them on you <laughs> sucking dick. It's like I, I, I would tell you the punchline because I don't really do the joke. This one joke I worked on is the well, this old guy gave me a porn uh, a blowjob in a porn shop right after I quit being a pastor. Remains the best blowjob I've ever had in my life. Wow. And I, I always try to tell that as a joke, and it was just like guys won't laugh at it because the then the people will think they're gay, I guess, if they laugh at that kind of thing. But I figured out the punchline finally, where uh, this guy, the guy, I said, do all the setup, but then the guy says, hey, can I suck your dick? Or, uh, hey, can I give you a blowjob? And then I like let it get quiet, and you see all the guys there, and I'm like, hey. So at that moment, I had to ask myself a question, and it was, Steve, do you want to live the rest of your life knowing that you are 100% heterosexual? 
Or do you want to get your dick sucked right now? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, that line took me two years to come up with, and it cracked everything open. Yeah, with, well, that, all, that's a way in guys. for all the hetero brains. Of like, yeah. All guys were like, yeah, just I want to get my dick sucked. I understand that impulse. Yeah. <laughs> I can wrap my head around that for sure. <laughs> uh Hearn, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was really fun to uh, get to talk. I, 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 you're one of those people, I, I, I meet them f rarely in life where it's like, I f people are like, you guys should talk. You guys should meet. You, you know what I mean? And then you meet them and you're like, often let down by that. But you, you're fucking ch charming as fuck and funny as hell. So it, Yeah, we're going to have pleasure. to hang. We're going to have to hike. You ever hit Griffith? I don't, but I will. I mean, what's I've the, done it a couple of times. What's the, the earliest you wake up? Uh, what time do you guys hike? <laughs> I, I I can wake I can wake up at seven thirty eight. Like it doesn't that All doesn't. All right, I'll, I'll compromise for you. I'll get one of those, but you have to come out with this one. We go. Wait, seven. a bartender a bartender who hikes at seven in the morning. I don't uh, hike on I don't hike on the days uh, right. that I bartend that the night sense. before. But yeah. uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, we go at seven. But I, I'll go a little later for for a Gabrus hike. You'll have a great time, and we get crews together going. We'll hang out for sure in real life. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me at Big Hearn on Twitter. Hernia on Instagram. Check out my YouTube show podcast. Read the Bible with me with Steve Hernandez on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yeah. Um, Whatever you're so listening to this on, open up the app and just subscribe to his pod. Um, all this stuff will be in the show notes too. So if you're like, you know, trying to write down by hand at Hernia, like you could just click on it in the show notes or in the uh, tags for this. Um, and, and and then what what night is the open mic you host if anyone is in the Covina area and wants to fucking get so oh because it might not happen it's not gonna happen until no no uh, no no yeah well the open mic it has happened the whole time I'm like I don't mind if these open micers want to kill themselves they're, they're willing uh, to die for yeah. it and if you do really want it it's the one of the best open mics in Los Angeles it's in Covina every Thursday at eight and the Sunday show. I believe we'll start in November. I have to talk to my producers, Lisa Chanu and Scott Lurs, about that. Uh, but I believe we're going to start that again in November. Follow me on Instagram. I promote about all that shit there. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, your old man, Gabrus, has a few plugs here, too. The new season of the Gina Lombardo Show is dropping on Stitcher Premium October 11th, which maybe is... Uh this coming Monday. I don't know when this episode comes out. Promo code Gino gets you one free month. I'm doing a weekly Spotify live radio show, uh, 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific, Monday nights called The Movie Buff, talking about whatever big blockbuster came out that weekend. And then as always, there's Action Boys, a Patreon podcast, but you motherfuckers have heard about that. Uh, thank you to Big Hearn. Thank you to Big Gabe. And I got to say, bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. <laughs> it's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> now. 
somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to like see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. <laughs> it's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. Yeah. There's some yeah. sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. bam. There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. <laughs> what? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room. <laughs> yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.